Welcome back. It's two bars. I'm one half of the bar. Scott's on the other side of the bar. We're here. Uh, breaking down some sneaky free agency winners, losers, uh, as if uh, there isn't enough free agency content out there. We're, we're here for some more. So hopefully we'll uh, give some some insight that hasn't been previously talked about, get some some deeper names here. But Scott, how's it going, man? It's, uh, it's good to kind of have like a little lull, I guess, between free agency and the draft. Yeah, uh, no, no lull for me. I'm, I'm knee deep in my rookie model stuff. I think I'm going to publish this late for the first time ever. Going to publish this post draft instead of pre draft. Uh, I gave it some thought. I think it's really just for me. Like I've had the most accurate pre NFL draft rankings for I don't know three years in a row, and that, that's like right up there with anyone. You know, Dane Brugler even. Uh, really proud of that, but like no one, no one cares. Right. So it's just kind of like a vanity thing for me. Also just like behind on it. And also like, I have no confidence in this rookie class after Bijan or Gibbs and it's all landing spot and draft capital. So yeah, yeah, uh, that probably going to be a little late on that this year. Yeah. You might be better off waiting until after the draft, honestly, to do it. Mm Because I mean, you're right. This, this rookie class, especially running back man, after like, even three, I think you can just, I mean, it's literally just lotto picks at this point. Uh, by the way, you sound amazing. You sound like you should be uh, on oh, NPR. Yeah. That's right. Uh, with that new mic, man. The ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if this doesn't work out for us, bro, you could just do ASMR videos on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, well, people are subconsciously just going to think I have the best takes because I sound so crispy and clean. So you need to upgrade your mic. <laughs> I've been doing podcasts and shows with you for like five years and uh, you sound like a new man. This is uh this is awesome. Um, yeah, man, I, I know, uh, I know you're grinding hard on, on rookie class stuff. This is like the first time, uh, cause I was, <laughs> cause I'm not doing yards career. This is like the first time it's been like March 28th and I feel like caught up somewhat on work. Uh, I still have like some stuff on the back burner. Just, uh, yeah, this is, you, you've done an amazing job with the, the free agency stuff where I've, I've kind of barely paid attention to it. I'm just kind of building out all the shells of the, the prospect stuff yeah. and, uh, you know, collecting my thoughts. So like, I'm excited to, you have all your well-reasoned takes where yeah. I'm just flying in blind, just like <laughs> full YOLO, like hot take. So this is going to be a fun show. All right. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Let's get to it, man. Um, we'll, we'll start off with some pretty obvious, uh, sneaky, not so sneaky. Sorry, not so sneaky for agency winners. Uh, three backs here really kind of dodged um, some of the free agency, uh, the dearth of free agency running, uh, running backs at the position. Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, and Rashad White. I'm not sure if you have like a, a strong take on any of those three. Uh, I think Stevenson and Pollard are pretty straightforward. I mean, with Stevenson, man, we still want him just to get these dump offs, but no Dame Harris. Um, they signed James Robinson, who is... Uh, most likely dust and mm-hmm. they could draft a back for sure. But I mean, outside of Robinson and Gibbs, um, no one really scares me. Uh, and then with Tony Pollard, I mean, Zeke is gone. I think the Cowboys are definitely going to draft a back, but again, it's one of those situations where like no one in this class really scares us. Um, so we'll start with those two. Uh, Stevenson, I think is the trickier one just because this Patriots offense man still might stink. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, if he's still getting four or five, six targets a game, Stevenson's going to be a, a, a strong back end RB one, even if the Patriots, you know, draft another back to give some early down carries to. So I love Ramondre Stevenson, loved him coming out <clears throat> and he was just awesome last year. 
210 carries, 88 targets. Was this bell cow that we haven't seen in New England in, I don't know, since the Lawrence Maroney era? The question was how much of that was due to Damian Harris dealing with injuries. But remember what our sources told us in heading into the season. And I guess the same exact source also told Matthew Barry, which was, you might not see it in 2022, but in 2023, for sure, New England is envisioning Ramondre Stevenson to be their Alvin Kamara. And remember, this was said before Kamara sucked in right. 2022. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, massive fantasy uh, potential, you bell, bell cow workload. And it seems like, you know, James Robinson not scaring me uh, that our source is correct. And like, that's that there's a really good chance it happens because he was the bell cow. He was awesome. And there's a chance, you know, that role even grows in 2023 because James Robinson, a far dustier version of Damian Harris, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely very excited about him. And then uh, Tony Pollard, like, obviously, like if we were drafting today, like the draft happened and Dallas didn't add anyone, he's a round one pick. Just yeah, every, I mean, on like the X, he was the number one XFP guy where basically he got low end RB two volume and was an easy mid RB one in production. So it's like, you give him RB one volume and like, okay, is he the overall RB one? He's just so good. He's awesome. The problem I have, the concern I have is that Jerry Jones is obviously a donkey. So it's like, you know, I could see them adding Bijan Robinson or I could see them adding Jameer Gibbs or, uh, I mean, Kareem hunt is sort of lurking. And then, uh, I was yeah. talking with uh, Tom Tipple and Jacob Sanderson on their podcast last week. Like, and it's funny you brought up the what if, what if they did draft Bijan? Like, that would be after paying Zeke, after drafting Zeke at four or five, whatever it was, uh, and then um, you know paying him all that money. It'd be hilarious if they came back and drafted Bijan. Speaking of Bijan, I've heard some legacy media, media folks say that the Patriots are going to draft him at fourteen. Like, he should be in play for them. Like. That makes no sense. Uh, I mean, Ramondre is, what was he, a fourth-round pick, man? Like, he's super cheap. He still have two years of control on his deal, and he's proven he can be a bell cow. Uh, I, I don't get the Bijan at 14 at all. I don't get Bijan, frankly, like, in the top 30 at all. But, um, yeah, man, I, I think I think if, I think you're right. If, if we were drafting today, Pollard would probably go 10 or 11 behind JT. I think that'd be about right. Um, maybe a little, maybe even ahead of Eckler. Um, let's talk about Rashad White though, because I mean the Bucks are obviously uh, still in flux here. You know Baker will get a shot. Maybe they'll draft a guy. Uh, maybe they really just wanted to be Baker and Trask, and they tank within this uh, this division this year. But Rashad White is set up pretty well here. I mean this backfield uh, behind him is not great. Um, you know Lenny's gone. Uh, I. I wasn't really enamored with Rashad White as a prospect, and I don't think you were either. But I mean, when he did get significant run last year, he was much better than Leonard Fournette, and that's not saying a whole lot, obviously. But uh, he was light years better than Fournette. Um, he's a tricky guy to rank, but right now I have him like 75, 78 uh, in best ball rankings. That's slightly ahead of ADP, um, strictly just because I think the workload for him is going to be pretty strong and. Again, I, I think this kind of sticks back to a theme of at least these these three guys here. Like this rookie running back class is not that great. And I mean, I don't think the Bucks are in contention to draft Bijan or Gibbs. Like they have a lot more concerns, I think, than running back. 
Right. So this team is going to absolutely stink, I think. And, you know, maybe they'll just go full on tank mode and try and get a quarterback in next year's stack class, like an early draft pick. And so you have so many holes. You're not you're not really thinking about running back. So Rashad White was someone my model said had a really high chance of being a bell cow. My running back model is basically ranked by likelihood of being a bell cow. And so like uh, pass catch really good pass catching running back more than competent runner. And so, yeah, it looks like he's going to be thrust into a bell cow workload and sure the offensive line is bad. The offense is bad. doesn't really matter. Running back is just a position that's so driven by volume. The only thing I'll say is uh, I feel like my initial evaluation on him was a little wrong, or at least I'm more worried about it now. Sure. He underwhelmed as a rookie, but I was digging into the prospect model stuff and my concern on him last year was sort of wh- whoever the coach he had was, has had a lot of hyper productive running backs who never panned out at the NFL level. And then what did we see this year? We saw a running back. I can't pronounce his first name because uh, uh, there's an X Z and a V in the first five letters of his first name, <laughs> but his last name is Valaday, And, uh, he basically had the exact same production as Rashad White. Uh, he had nine more rushing yards and granted not as many receiving yards per game, but uh, really similar production. So that's like a bit of a red flag for me. So again, I, I don't really know how good he he is. Like I think maybe I was a little too high on him, but uh, certainly you know he seems set up for terrific workload and that is the most important thing beyond talent. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he was... Didn't really pop in yards created for me, but was a great receiver. We saw that last year. Um, and I think Yeah, and targets are worth 2.8 times right. as much as a carry in PPR yeah. league. So like that is just huge. Yeah, you want I mean, that. Yeah, exactly. As long as he's still, you know, getting 60, 65% route share, um, even if they draft a guy late, getting some early down work, uh, I think I'm going to be higher than market on Rashad White. Uh, all right. I'm going to kick it to you. I know where you're going to go with this first. We got to oh, talk about him. Who is your, oh. your favorite? Uh, I don't even know if it's favorite, but uh, who's your top player that gained value that you want to, you want to get to here? Oh, that's absolutely Elijah Moore. My guy is freed. We've been saying hashtag free Elijah Moore. He is finally <laughs> freed. Also, guess what? I had the scoop on this. I uh, yeah. was in a work company meeting with you and I, yeah. I didn't check my DMS and uh I could have uh, scooped Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport for the first time ever. But uh, yeah, my guy is freed. He, you know, he has Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. There's not a lot of target competition. Amari Cooper just always disappears on the road. So this is like a great spot for Elijah Moore. And it's like, now it's do or die. It's, you know, was my initial valuation correct? And this guy is a stud or was I just wrong? And like, you know, if it does not go well in Cleveland, you know, I'm going to be eating, so many L's, you know, reputation damage, but uh, I'm, I'm bullish. I'm excited. I think this is a great landing spot. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. Um, you know, the Browns obviously aren't going to draft a guy too. So they, they view Elijah as kind of their rookie this year. You know, he fits in perfectly Cooper and DPJ on the outside. DPJ came on really strong, like sneaky, really strong in the back half of last year. I remember I was, I was betting his over yards prop like every single week. Um, but all three of these guys work really well together. Then you you mix in Njoku, who's kind of like, you know, big slot receiver. He can play in line and dominate up the seam. I mean, you can really convince yourself that this is the best 
um, quartet of weapons that Deshaun Watson has had in his career. I, I think the big question now becomes like, is Deshaun Watson still Deshaun Watson? You know, uh, I, I think we kind of expected him to have a little bit of a fall off uh, coming back from suspension and then basically not playing for the first 10, 11 weeks, not being with the team, but uh, he was a bottom, you know, six, bottom eight NFL quarterback last year. I do think he rebounds some, but um, you know, Deshaun Watson was a guy in Houston, man. I mean, he, he elevated Will Fuller to uh, wide receiver one status. Brandon Cooks was consistently a two. Uh, so Watson to me now becomes the biggest question of this offense ironically for fantasy purposes, because I mean, all three of the receivers really, really work well together. Um, and man, I, I think kind of a sneaky, sneaky winner is Nick Chubb right now too. Kareem Hunt still unsigned. They're only uh, back behind him is Jerome Ford, who I kind of liked a little bit, but like he didn't get on the field last year. Dearness Johnson is now a Jaguar. He got a one-year deal. Uh, so Chubb is somebody I'm, I'm definitely a little bit higher on than the market's right now too because i am buying a little bit of a watson bounce back he's not a bottom eight quarterback uh, i think he's going to bounce back this coming year and this offense i think is going to take a step forward did you know what's your boy in, elijah did you know that in the history of the nfl there are only 86 instances of a running back averaging 5.0 yards per carry or better on 190 plus carries and there are only five running backs with three such seasons in their career uh and uh Nick Chubb, who's done it five of five career seasons. Wait, hold on. Can Brad, I guess the other two? Can I guess the, the other, other two? three? Yeah. Okay. There's three more. Um, so it's it's three or more seasons with over five yards. There, there are only there are only four running backs with more than three such seasons in their career, but all all three uh, did it exactly five times. So there Adrian, was no one with four, and there was no one. Yeah, there was no one with four. Adrian Peterson. Uh, no. Ooh, off to a rough start. Um, Just name the best running backs. Barry Sanders? Yep. He did it, uh, so five times in 10 career seasons. Okay. Uh, I want to go Earl Campbell. No. He was a yard, yards per carry legend, though. Uh, he didn't play, probably play long enough. All right, next to who? Uh, Jamal, no. Jamal Charles, which he should have got. Oh, yeah, duh. Five of 11 seasons. And then Jim Jim Brown, five of nine career seasons. So Nick Chubb has done this in five of five career seasons. This is a you know generational that that word gets thrown around way too much. A generational runner, like the best since Adrian Peterson, the best since Jamal Charles. But it, we're in an NFL uh, NFL era where you know pure runners are massively devalued. But yeah, Nick Chubb is awesome. Uh, the problem is he's not a great pass catcher. So even losing Kareem Hunt. Uh, I think, uh, who do they have there? Demetric Felton? Yeah, yeah. And he was basically a slot receiver when he played last year. Damn, yeah. Adrian Peterson only had two seasons over five yards per carry. That's surprising. I am kicking myself for being uh, for not getting Jamal Charles. I was a, I was a huge Charles fan. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it sounds like we're all in on Browns. And um, I think if you're playing early best ball or uh, in dynasty leagues right now, maybe it's, it's time to uh, see what the market is for the Browns. Because I, I think, you know, Watching Watson and watching that team kind of struggle a little bit has kind of killed our perception. As we go into 2023, and I want to make sure that I'm not biased towards that. Um, one offense. I was thinking I, of, is, by the way, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Dearness Johnson, but yeah. not even him. Uh, Jerome Ford. That's that's yeah. going to be the guy to draft in uh, best ball leagues. But. Yeah, I've got him. Um, 
I've got him ranked in like the 220 range. There's there's a bunch of like, I mean, the draft is going to blow up probably this backfield. I think the Browns probably draft somebody late. Um, but there's a bunch of handcuffs that are going in like the 220 range that are probably going to be in the 175 range in the, in the summer. So if you can get on it, get on it. Um, switching over, this is more like broadly uh, a team take, but I'll say Trevor Lawrence is a sneaky free agency winner. Uh, Calvin Ridley, obviously. What's that? Is this a homer take? Oh, I mean, partially, absolutely. Is this the um, most excited you've ever been? The most optimistic you've ever been as a Jaguars fan? Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Man, I thought David Garrard was a great quarterback growing up. <laughs> like, that's how shit, that's how bad it was as a Jaguars that's fan. That's so sad. Oh. Yeah. Like, Garrard was easily the best quarterback we had in, like, the late 2000s, too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, not just that. AFC South is is really, really bad. Colts, Titans, Texans all struggling. But, I mean... It's hard not to be in love with Trevor Lawrence, and it's hard not to be in love with this offense. I mean, they're they're all cheap. I mean, you can get Ridley, Kirk, Ingram, um, all past round five right now. I think R- Ridley's going to uh, really come up in, in price right now. He's going around 40 in ADP. But, um, I mean, this offense, man, is going to score a ton of points. And it's not just, I think, Trevor Lawrence takes another step further um, and continues kind of this upward ascension like, their defense sucks. They're going to give up a ton of points this year. And I think that's that's a, a factor in buying this offense. I think Lawrence, in terms of just over, like positional ADP, Lawrence is being drafted near his ceiling at like QB7, QB8. We need him to run a little bit more. And I just don't know if that's that's something that Doug, Doug Peterson's going to want him to do. We know Lawrence can. Um, we saw him do it at Clemson. He would run past defenders, which is crazy. I don't know if that's going to be a part of his game in the NFL, but if that ever is, I mean, that'll be the next step for him to become a top five fantasy quarterback. But all that being said, like, I think if you're playing early best ball right now, man, Jags are probably one of the most fun mid-round teams to stack because you can get uh, pretty easy dub stacks between Ridley, Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Um, yeah, I think, I think Trevor Lawrence is set up for – you know, 35 touchdown season here, if all goes right. Yeah, I, I can't help but think of Andrew Luck. You know, this is the guy he was comp to coming as the, the greatest, most complete quarterback since Andrew Luck. And uh, <clears throat> looking at Trevor Lawrence's sophomore season, especially the second half was just right up there with, you know, sophomore season, Joe Burrow. Uh, but like really, you know, optimistic expectations, just like Andrew Luck, who was being drafted as the QB one heading into his junior season, although he, he finished, you know, eighth or whatever the year before, but uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence last year, 242 passing yards per game, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, Andrew Luck, his sophomore year uh, in the NFL, uh, 239 passing yards per game, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Ooh. And then there was that Andrew Luck explosion junior yep. year where he averaged 298 passing yards per game and 40 touchdowns. He basically doubled his touchdown total. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, I mean, over his final 10 games, basically once they came out of the bye last year, uh, Lawrence had uh, 18 passing touchdowns. Basically the bulk of his his passing scores came in the back half of last year. I, I think he's, he's absolutely – uh, a candidate to have an Andrew Luck type explosion. And like I said, I mean, ironically with the Luck comparison you just made, those Colts defenses were not very good back then too. Gave up a ton of points, a lot of shooting uh, shootout games. So uh, yeah, I, I'm all in on Jags. Uh, next guy for you, man. Who's on your list? Who you have your eye on 
as a post free agency winner? Uh, this is another easy one. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, Rogers hasn't signed yet, man. He's what, is he still in his dark room? Like what? I mean, what, is <laughs> he ever coming out of this? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like 90% odds that yeah, no, he's going there. That's yeah. basically what Vegas is saying. And uh, I still think there's some room with his ADP, but uh, yeah, look at what Garrett Wilson did last year uh, with Joe Flacco, 17.3 fantasy points per game with Mike White, 17.3 fantasy points per game. So, you know, sophomore wide receivers tend to get better in their second season, as opposed to their rookie year with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, sky feels like the limit. This is the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, no more Elijah. Sure. Aaron, you know, got some of his guys, but, None of these guys, I think, are really talented. But even if they get Odell Beckham Jr., who I've maintained has been cooked for quite some time, yeah. uh, I could see Garrett. You know, everyone's saying Garrett Wilson is his new Devontae Adams, but I, I could really see that from a production standpoint. Yeah, I mean, did you see the quote this week from uh, Robert Sala where he was basically saying, "Oh yeah, we we didn't sign Alan Lazard to try to lure Rodgers over. We didn't bring." Nathaniel Hackett from the Broncos after he had such a great year. We, yeah, we just thought he was, you know, got in on his laurels. Like, dude, are you kidding me? Like I kind of feel bad for Sal at this point. And I kind of feel bad for Jets fans just waiting and waiting, but you're right. Um, Garrett Wilson, man. I mean, we, we talked about it, I think on our last show, but you and I both are probably going to be heavily in on him in the second round. And I'm not sure much too much more needs to be said. I think more leaving just further bolsters that case because I'm with you. I don't think Alan Lazard is anything more than like just a pretty good number three. And Corey Davis is not that good anymore. Um, they'll probably draft somebody. But um, yeah, man, Garrett Wilson set up for monster, monster season. 150 targets. Feels like the floor and he can really explode with upwards of 180 if the if Rodgers does go. Um, all right, so that one was a little more obvious, but still Garrett Wilson, massive, massive. Basically, like, Garrett Wilson's name is surrounded by rocket ship emojis at this point. Uh, I'll take it a little deeper. Khalil Herbert, I think, is a post-free agency winner. Um, listen, David Montgomery's gone. Deontay Foreman right now is his only competition. They signed Foreman on a one-year deal. Um, but Khalil Herbert was awesome last year in a small sample. He tied for third among 44 running backs and missed tackles forced per carry. And he was second yards after contact per carry in that sample. Um, I, I think Herbert, as long as he can dodge one of the three or four top running backs, rookie running backs in this class, like which he very well might, the Bears have a ton of other needs along the offensive line, especially on defense too, and they have the capital to do it. I think Hello Herbert and Deontay Foreman is a one-two punch, super cheap one-two punch in the backfield to go with fields. Makes a ton of sense from the way the Bears are just kind of constructing their roster. Um, I'm, I think, higher than anybody that I've looked at in terms of early rankings uh, on Khalil Herbert. Uh, I, I think I see, you know, I see eight, eight touchdown upside here. The only downside is he really is not going to get any passing down work at all. Uh, but, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round in best ball, I don't really care so much about that. I want the, you know, the 20 carry, 100 yard, two TD games um, with fields. I think the Bears are going to take a huge step forward offensively this year. And I think Herbert, you know, just will, you know, more lay, layup touchdown attempts, more red zone trips, all helps Herbert score more in the red zone. Um, what are your thoughts on this backfield here? Because, I mean, if, if it's just Herbert and Foreman, like both of these guys are massively, massively mispriced. 
Yeah, my only concern is, uh, you know, out of the combine, <clears throat> Matthew Berry and the the roster watch guys uh, uh, interviewed the uh, Eberflus, who said, "Yeah, we need, you know, Herbert's not really much of a pass catcher. We need to add some some help there." So that's definitely not Foreman. So it, you know, if Herbert's losing carries to Foreman and then losing tar, I mean, maybe it's Travis Foreman. Homer. I mean, they did sign him too. I yeah, there's a deal. So maybe the move is to draft uh, Travis Homer in round 19. Like that, it's not a terrible idea, but yeah, you know, hypermobile quarterbacks tend not to target running backs and does help ground game efficiency and the offense should be better. And Herbert was a beast last year and he's probably, he's probably a value in best ball. He's just not someone I, I'm personally like excited to draft, but you know, you give him that full on workhorse role. If you don't view Foreman as serious competition, I could see him smashing as like a cheaper version of Nick Chubb. Yep. Yep. That's kind of what I'm thinking, man. Uh, next guy on your list. I think, uh, yep. I think we're going to agree on this one. Darren Waller. I think he's the, the most mispriced player in basketball drafts right now. I really like, uh, you know, as a Giants fan, I, you know, I'm kind of bummed that we made the playoffs and then won a game because, you know, we needed kind of good draft capital and now we don't have it, but we're in good hands with a, brilliant head coach and a brilliant GM. And I think what the GM was doing is, is something I've talked about is uh, there is a market inefficiency with highest end pass catching tight ends because they're priced like tight ends when Darren Waller should be priced like a wide receiver. So you're getting like an extra 8 million in savings. So I thought that was really smart yep. uh, adding him. And, and this is what the Giants beats are saying is like, no, this is their wide receiver one. This is how they're viewing that. And say he is their wide receiver one. This is by far the best wide receiver Daniel Jones has ever played with. So, I mean, Golden Tate was awesome, but not when he was on the Giants. Uh, right. Yeah. So, and and in basketball in particular, like getting a true oligarch tight end is just so immensely valuable to your roster construction. You only need to draft two in total, let's say, and you know the the comparative edge against all these people who are just you know unreliable tight ends getting one who's putting up wide receiver production. It's just a huge edge. So um, yeah, I, I really like that uh, big time buy and uh, he's a, he's a great uh, uh, play in best ball. Yeah. Say what you want about the Daniel Jones deal. They gave him the same deal as Stafford and Dak. We don't need to get into that, but like the Waller trade. And then I, I also love the Paris Campbell signing. I mean, they gave him like one year, one and a half million in base. Like it's, it, yeah, I mean, just a great upside deal for them. Waller, they essentially traded Tony, uh, the pick that they traded the Chiefs for uh, that they got. Sorry, the, the pick they re- got in return for Tony, uh, they traded away. Um, so yeah, sharp move. Waller, man, like you know, everybody's gonna the sticklers will be talking about how he's injury prone, but like, I mean, when he was healthy last year. Waller was still the same player in terms of efficiency. I mean, it, he was really good as an inline re- uh, receiver. I think he'll line up there more this year. And um, Giants, man, I think they have a, a really interesting rotation at receiver. But all that being said, I mean, yeah, I think Waller is, is probably going to sleepwalk to uh, like 115, 125 targets. Well, I, I had Daniel Jones listed as a, uh, yeah. a big-time winner. So let yeah, me just touch still. on that. Yeah. This is by far – the best supporting cast he's had since high, like, I guess ever, right? Because yeah. in I mean, college, guess Duke was a joke. It was a joke at Duke, you know. The worst, and then it's been the same thing in the NFL. And yeah. 
So, so now he has the best receiver he's ever had. The offensive line is going to be better. But the big thing to me too is, yeah, so he got paid. There, he's going to stay there. And Brian Dable, like look at the the change we saw from Daniel Jones in 2021 to 2022. And look at what Brian Dable did with uh, uh, Josh Allen and then the progress he made in a second and then third year. And then kind of look at the step back that we saw from Josh Allen last year without Brian Dable. So, uh, and, and Daniel Jones does have that Konami code upside. So uh, I, I think I'm, I think people may be underrating him as a easy QB one for fantasy this year. Yeah. Um, not me, man. <laughs> I think I'm highest on him on staff and uh, best ball rankings. And um, you know, he's, he is like, I don't, I don't think he's going to get the rushing sh- scores that he got this past year, but he is like baby Josh Allen for fantasy. It's And, and he's like he's like 75 80% Josh Allen, and he's priced like 50% Josh Allen. Um, I'll, I'll be heavy on Danny Dimes once again. Uh, he's not, not going to be a QB2 anymore, unfortunately, but um, yeah, absolutely in on Danny Dimes. A couple of uh, deeper names here um, that I wanted to talk through. Actually, um, real quick. One other tight, one tight end uh, that I want to mention before I move on here, um, TJ Hawkinson. He's on your list, and I wanted to bring it up because I think he's a sneaky winner too, man. Um, you know, no Adam Thielen, just Justin Jefferson there now. I mean, KJ Osborne's the two. The Vikings will probably draft one of these receivers on maybe late day two, early day three. Fully expect him to do that because they need some depth. But I'm, I'm with you on Hawkinson. I think Hawk and and Waller are pretty clearly the two free agency winners at tight end. Yeah. I, I mean, he saw obscene volume with uh, Minnesota last year. Also like two of the biggest spike weeks we've ever seen from a tight end. And he, he cleared what 38 fantasy points twice last year. Um, and yeah, just, you know, the clear number two receiver uh, for Minnesota with Justin Jefferson, you know, getting bracket coverage, at least, at least, uh, you know, 30% of the time or every other week. Um, so yeah, just, just a great spot for him. Uh, I could really see, I, I don't, I don't trust the talent that much, but just the, the role and the volume yeah. and what we saw last year, I'm really open to the idea of him being an oligarch tight end. He, he kind of strikes me of like, as like Zach Ertz in his prime, like he's never going to be super flashy, but he's really good against zone understanding how to get get open underneath uh, against zone. And he opened things up for Justin Jefferson. I mean, if you look at Justin Jefferson's splits last year with and without Hawk after the trade, uh, he was much better. They were allow, uh, they, it allowed him to, to throw the ball deeper to Jefferson. He was running deeper routes. Um, and I, I think that's a part of the reason we saw Jefferson just get even better and better as the season went on is because of Hawk. Um, they do need a two, though. And I, K.J. Osborne is not going to cut it. So it'll be really interesting to see what Spielman does in the draft at receiver uh, two deeper names continuing our, our talk of per, uh, pass catchers here of pass catchers that have gained fantasy value after free agency. Uh, my two guys here, Alec Pierce and Nico Collins. Alec Pierce is, is simple. Paris Campbell's gone and their depth chart is so thin. Uh, I think they'll get a quarterback upgrade from Matt Ryan. He, you know, Pierce was basically shoehorned into a part-time role last year with all of the, you know, their, their entire coaching staff in flux, but right now it's just he and Pittman. Uh, I think both Pittman and Pierce are a little undervalued. And Nico Collins uh, for the Texans, he was better than Brandon Cooks in the back half 
of last season was better in terms of his yards per route run was better in targets per route run. He got more targets uh, on similar volume and their signings. This so far have been extremely underwhelming. You know, Robert, Robert Woods got a multi-year deal, but he's probably dust. Uh, they signed Noah Brown, who's meh at best. John Mechie um, is, I think, coming back, but he's still a question mark. Uh, so really, just best ball only takes here for Pierce and Collins, but I think both make a lot of sense as wide receiver five, six, seven types in the last few rounds of best ball. Um, any other big winners you want to touch on, losers? Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about uh, Rashad Penny. And and maybe I'll just always have a blind spot for these hyper talented, oft injured players, but uh, I mean, like it's just easy to me, you know. Like the the toughest evaluations are, is this player good or not? And with Penny, I, I think we know he's good. It's just he needs to stay healthy. And like, not only do we know he's good, but like his numbers are are obscene. I again, I'm doing my model stuff, and one of the most predictive variables for running backs is yards per scrimmage, yards from scrimmage per team play. So since 2000, here are the best ever seasons. One, Rashad Penny. Two, Christian McCaffrey. Three, LaDainian Tomlinson. Four, Matt Forte. Five, Melvin Gordon. Six, Leonard Fournette. And the list goes on and on. It's like super predictive. So you have this amazing 2017 season. And then since then, just looking at what he's done, he's he ranks second best all-time in yards per carry average in between Hall of Famer Marion Motley and all-time legend Bo Jackson. So he's he had the the most efficient college football season ever, and he's been the second most efficient or the the most efficient running back in seventy years. Uh, he only has ten career games with twelve or more carries, but in those games he averages one hundred twenty two rushing yards per game, twenty one point two fantasy points per game. That's more than Derrick Henry's career game with a dozen or more carries. Um, and over his last eight full games, 7.1 yards per carry, 18.8 fantasy points per game. Uh, and if excluding losses, because remember, he doesn't catch targets. He's just a pure workhorse. He averages 141.6 rushing yards per game over his last five victories. And now he has ideal game script. The Eagles trailed at the lowest rate in the NFL last year. He has the best offensive line. Seattle's offensive line always ranked bottom seven. And what he's going to be drafted in round 14 because he's injury prone. The one knock is like, yeah, you know, he's signed for basically peanuts, but I just mean, if he stays healthy, I don't see how he doesn't yeah. beat out what Miles Sanders gave us last year. Yeah. I mean, I think with this running back market, looking at these guys who got one year deals, right? Like Dame Harris and Penny just, I mean, it kind of, I hate to say it, but it's just there are so many talented running backs that a lot of these guys that are really good players like Dame Harris, like Rashad Penny, that just have the one skill. You know, they're only early down backs. Um, you know, they got kind of screwed in this market, regardless of Penny's history, regardless of Harris dealing with injuries. Um, I think those two kind of got screwed the most because, I, I, you know, Penny probably would have ended up getting a one-year deal, but maybe would have got a little more money. Um Regardless, I mean, there was just a huge dearth of running backs that all became free agents at once. And, you know, that's why some of these deals look so wonky. I mean, even even Miles Sanders, who topped the market, he's only getting six and a half million a year. And that's like 14th or 15th among running backs. So uh, even the top of the market was basically, you know, the 15th, 15th highest paid running back. Um, 
Yeah, we haven't really talked losers. Like, you know who's a loser is like any agent for running backs or like anyone who's RB needy and has a lot of rookie picks. It's just crazy this year. There's so many running backs available in free agency yeah. in the draft via trade. And there's just so few available jobs. And so I, I tweeted out today and you agreed with it was just like, if I'm drafting a rookie draft today, I, I'm not taking a single running back besides Bijan Robinson. It's just a, like the age of the bell cow is, is done. There's just too many good yep. running backs and not enough jobs. Yep. And, uh, and, and so like, what, what do you do from a redraft perspective? I think it pushes up the Bijan Robinsons of the world, the Saquon Barkley's of the world. And then just outside of that, yeah, load up on wide receivers. Yeah. And I, I spoke a little bit about this in my uh, top 240 underdog rankings, but for best ball this year, man, like it makes even more sense to go receiver heavy and then just take a freaking shotgun to all these. Oh, absolutely. Backs. Rashad Penny types. I mean, and, just, and from an NFL draft perspective, yeah. like, yeah, that, Penny contract is awesome. Like, why would you take Bijan Robinson in round one when you could just sign uh, Rashad Penny for peanuts, Damian Harris for peanuts? And um, Brett talked about this on, on on his podcast. Is just you're giving up so much potential surplus value. The opportunity cost in drafting a running back is so high because you you draft Bijan with pick I don't know 25, right? He's immediately the fifth highest priced running back. But you take a wide receiver there, he's going to be the I don't know, 35th highest price wide receiver. There's just so much. So uh, I was open to it a few months ago, but I, I think that's wrong. It's just seeing these free agency contracts. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't take Bijan round one if I'm an NFL yeah. team. Yeah. And I, I think it was a unique year in that sense. If you were, if you were the Panthers or you were the saints uh, or you were the lions, I think Montgomery is still my favorite, my favorite deal overall um, because he can do everything, you know, he can, you know, he can pass catch, pass block. Obviously, he's good on early downs. But fantastic uh, missed tackle numbers. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, real quick before we get out of here, kind of wrapping up this this overarching theme, Jameer Gibbs, I, I think he's like the one – the one exception, I think, to your rule would be Gibbs, but I'm seeing some early dynasty drafts where he's going like 106, 107, and I, I think that's like, man, that's drafting him near his ceiling, honestly. I think it's just we've become so thirsty for running backs that like Jameer Gibbs is probably, a, I mean, he's a really good pass catcher, but like we've got legit concerns about him you know, getting early down to red zone work. Yeah, he just doesn't profile as a volume back to me. Like I, I could see it because he's that good as a pass catcher. He's he's okay to good as a runner. I just don't know that he's great enough to to really be a true bell cow. Um, I see him more as being like, I don't know. Some weeks he'll be an eight touch guy. Some weeks he could be a fifteen touch, but just like inconsistent yep. and volatile. Um, and yeah, so in a rookie draft, I'm not taking him over Jackson Smith and Jigba or Quentin Johnston, but uh, he is the one who, who who makes me pause. But outside of that, Zach Charbonnet, I see analytically no difference between him and a Kendra Miller uh, or whoever your RB7 in this class is. They just, the Tajay Spears, I like. Um, it just, yeah, no one, no one gets me excited. Yeah. Yep. Uh, kind of bittersweet. I'm not doing yards created, but honestly, with this class, um, yeah, I mean, man, it, it would have been same thing as you. It would have been a slog trying to rank 
three through ten would have been a waste of time like honestly it's just yeah. a bunch of yeah a bunch of uh committee backs right and it's yeah. that's basically what this class is and that's what i was saying about uh rb4 through 12 last year i mean it was just a bunch of committee backs and that turned out to be right, right. um all right good shit man everybody thank you for listening as always i'm graham for scott uh this has been two bars we'll be back again next week with another show so be on to uh be on tune for that also be in tune to all of the podcasts that we're doing these days. Scott, you mentioned Brett Whitefield's show. He is cranking out more podcasts, literally more podcasts than anybody, I think, in the NFL draft space. The dude is, I, he literally was recording, I think, two or three more shows before you and I got on. So make sure you're checking out Brett Whitefield's show on the clock. He is He's an all-star cast of guests yeah. as well. He's getting all the heavy hitters. Like we, we legitimately have, like... I love Daniel Jeremiah's draft pod. I love yeah. Dean Brugler's app, but like we're right up there in the top five of draft. Absolutely. Pods. Absolutely. So make sure you're checking that out as the NFL draft continues to roll on. Maybe Brett and I are going to do a little NFL draft prop show. Uh, we'll, we'll oh, get nice. Some, uh, some, I'm excited some, for that. Yeah. It's, it's the best, not it's, it's such a fun betting event. Uh, we, the subscribers and I made a bunch of money along with Tom Browley betting props last year so it's about that time end of march early april where props are going to start coming out so we'll get to that as well but until then we'll talk to you soon All of these parents, they hella embarrassed. Like, why did they error with all of these errors? And Buffett and Barrett, you cannot compare with the kings of this era. There should be a tariff on all of this knowledge. I follow regardless and straight to the point like a crow. Popping and coming is losing my oxygen takes that they got made me go. Whoa, so what's a swamp rat gotta do? I'm chasing all of this cheese, even if my competition grew. Deuces to the mean, your boy is never regressing. Off season through the season, three, six, five, two, four, seven. And it's one for the money, two bars on the show.